0: Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. Ireland is the birthplace of whiskey. There, I said it, and I have research to back me up, so come at me. Okay, fine. There is some debate, but most records show it was in Ireland first, and since it's almost St. Patrick's Day, what better time to talk about Irish whiskey? Unfortunately, it's too much for one episode. So let's get the history out of the way so Bob will shut up and we can all... Have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about what
1: you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker.
2: I'm Justin Fraser, trying not to do an Irish accent.
1: <laughs> and uh, I'm Christopher Walker, and that's very much appreciated. Indeed. <laughs> we hate to
2: have to kill you.
0: Yes. Uh, look, we're, we're my saying...
2: family is very Irish. Yeah. Well, part of my family is very Irish. The part I look like.
0: <laughs> we are uh, once again this week without a Casey. Uh, I, I can't remember. He will return. Yeah, we. I think we got a. couple He is the weeks. MacArthur
2: of this show. <laughs> He'll make a we're triumphant cur- return. As like I said, we're currently in the middle of uh, oh, what was that? What was that march called, Chris? In the Philippines.
1: Oh um.
2: Uh, someone stole for time. Batan Death March.
1: There we go. Okay.
2: We're in our we're in our Batan Death March.
1: <laughs> to be fair, Casey has been here in spirit. He wrote the last episode.
2: Hmm. He did.
1: He just couldn't make it for the recording. A few other well, things going on.
0: Yeah, so uh, so that's what Casey's obviously been up to. The whole still, uh, still working on the babies thing. Uh, Bob, what have you? Uh, been up there's to?
2: this moment when you said, like, that's what Casey's been up to: marching, doing a death march through the Philippines. Yeah, oh, wait, babies.
1: We don't know. <laughs> what do you think he's doing with the babies? I mean,
3: I mean
2: <laughs> look, we know one thing he's doing, which is archival research, which is deeply disturbing. Uh uh yeah, uh for me personally, uh <laughs> I feel like we both have one uh shared thing, so uh I'll yes. I'll talk about that in a second. Uh we uh, uh however this week I took some time on my day off to do a movie doubleheader. header hmm. So you see uh, Captain
1: Marvel twice.
0: I'm pretty jelly, actually, of your movie going. <laughs>
2: so I went down to our uh, to the movie tavern, which is actually not inside Lexington anymore. It's uh, out more towards Nicholasville. Oh, really? Yeah, they closed down the closer one, uh, but they had a 10 o'clock showing of Captain Marvel. So I got up, went down to the movies, ordered some popcorn, a little bit of food, and they pointedly did not ask me for a beer. <laughs> like I could awesome. feel them saying. Can we get you a sprite? I think I was wearing my Sierra Nevada hat, so maybe that could have been a clue.
1: You should have gone. No, I'll uh, I'll take a beer.
2: Uh, but no, I just I just had a sprite because it was ten in the morning.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like I said, you should have gone. I'll have a beer.
2: I know, but uh, I watched Captain Marvel, and I I, I did I very much enjoyed it. Um. Uh, I I can't be super effusive about movies unless like they are truly absolutely magnificent, I guess. And while I I really enjoyed this, I did not think it was necessarily the best Marvel movie ever, but I think it's up th- pretty high up there in the in my rankings of Marvel movies.
1: So uh, where would that sounds good. I mean, where would you place it on a scale? Like so where would you put it to think.
2: It's...
1: it's like everyone genuinely agrees that like Iron Man two or three is the worst.
2: Uh, Iron Man two. two is the worst. Three has th- moments, but yeah. Yeah, three is better. Three is better than Iron Man. Three is better than Thor: Dark World.
1: Oh, that's also just
0: just. Terrible. Everybody hates on that movie. i There were parts of that I liked just fine. Again, parts of it back. that I
2: like, but it's just. Kind of an incoherent. When they're doing of,
1: the like wormhole bit and Mjolnir doesn't know what to do and it's just like whipping around everywhere trying to get back to Thor, that's kind
3: of right. funny.
2: Yeah, uh, Incredible Hulk was good at the time. I don't think it holds up as well. Which uh, one? Furry Viking was mentioning it. Uh, it. The the only Hulk movie uh, that's happened since they've done the the Edward since Norton Iron Man, one. the Edward Norton one. Yes.
0: Okay. Just want to be clear. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: you're fine. Um, uh, no, it's definitely not in that bottom part. It's, it's up there with, uh, I want to say it's up there with like Captain America, the first Captain America and, okay. uh, it's above the first Thor movie.
0: Hmm.
2: I like the first Captain America movie the more than I like the first Thor movie, but so I, far, I'm but... a,
0: yeah. What about uh, like? Um, what's the other comparison people usually make well I mean like compared to like the first Avengers movie
2: first Avengers movie is probably my top one of all of them
0: mm.
2: because it's it's just uh, it holds a special place primarily because I never thought this was going to happen right it's the first thing that said there yeah. are some dialogue problems in that one we can get to a whole movie review thing
0: <laughs> and uh, one day but, we'll probably do a special episode or something that's a different podcast not yeah. this one
2: uh you can find I would really like it. to do that one, though, because I'm like, man, I'd have a lot of fun just breaking down. Anyway, uh, no, I watched that. I really loved it. I thought everyone did a, a fantastic job in that. Uh, my only complaint, and it's the problem I have with a lot of Marvel movies, is they're all a little bit samey. Hmm. All their individual movies are kind of, they have a formula. Kind of samey. They, yeah. Yeah, they have a feel, and so like I can kind of guess everything that's going to happen in them I do have a question, quickly.
1: because I'm not going to mm-hmm. get to see this movie for a while. I guess it's a uh-huh. spoiler for some people. Do we mm-hmm. get the scrolls screaming "I love you"?
2: We do not. Oh come on! I
0: you know I don't think they were going to go that route.
2: Look, the scrolls are there, and all their multi-chain glory, <laughs> uh, but they play, they factor prominently into the plot, and I cannot speak of them without hmm. yeah talking more about the movie's plot. So yeah, that's fair.
1: That's fair. I just want some of that juicy, you know, Secret Wars, them coming. We we exposed. are not
2: we are not to a Secret Wars kind of thing yet. Okay,
1: okay,
2: okay, okay. Uh, now, uh, after that was over, I thought, "Oh, I'll just hang around and watch the next movie." I got out of that movie at twelve. I was going to watch How to Train Your Dragon, and that didn't start until two. Instead, there was a 125 showing at a different movie theater, so I got in my car, <laughs> stopped by, picked up some liquor for this episode, and then got to that movie.
0: Wow. And and, uh, and how was that?
2: That was also very good. Uh, I have loved all the How to Train Your Dragon movies since I decided to try it out one day when it was on HBO when I had cable.
0: They're such good movies.
2: And was unprepared for how emotional that first movie was going to be
0: oh god yeah no we re- re-watched the second one recently and I, I still ugly cried yeah at, at a particular the Second scene. one hits
2: you harder but you at least kind of know to expect this kind of emotional roller coaster
0: oh my gosh yeah the it...
2: first one kind of hits you hard because you're it's a dreamworks movie at the time i only associated them with like shrek right and i'm right. like uh eh, the, the first shrek is okay yeah. And I don't watch any of the further ones. I uh, had to
0: because I had a nephew at the time who was obsessed,
2: but <laughs> right. uh and then And but then like it gets all into this like father son expectation stuff and I'm just sitting there going It's fine. No, you're crying <laughs> Yeah uh, and then the second one is all like everything's fixed so we gotta kill the father Spoilers. Spoilers for a <laughs> multiple year old movie. yeah.
0: but oh, I still maintain that the second movie has the best funeral scene I think I've ever seen in any movie, animated or otherwise.
2: The Craig
1: Ferguson is the derpy, like half stupid Viking kind of spouting off this deep emotional thing. And you're just like yes. oh
3: God.
1: but like,
0: and then hearing it in that accent and then like the whole i don't know the whole scene and the whole the whole thing with it i just i can't even but i feel uh, like yeah. the
2: amount of viking in this movie really appeals to you guys so yeah, it
0: does well <laughs>
2: uh but then after after that I'd, I'd gotten those watched i came you know came back got everything done i needed and uh the next day it was it was i was just in time for uh the new season of queer eye to come out <laughs> Oh, yes. And if you want to talk about some ugly crying, I I am typically very reserved in my emotions. I will say it. Watching these, I'm just sitting there going, "No, it's fine. (laughs) No, it's just oh god." Uh, I
1: didn't get to ugly uh, crying, but I did. You
0: you also didn't like. You weren't like glued like watching all the episodes either.
1: No, but the one with the barbecue women like that. That was, was great. Yeah, when the
0: d- uh, there's a the thing with the oh, dentist. When she comes out of the, the dentist, dentist. I and can't.
2: Just, I. Uh, oh. That that thing happened. I texted Brittany. Yeah, I shut up. She's watching the same episode about 10 minutes behind me getting to that scene, and I'm just like, I can't even <laughs> handle this right now. And she went, What? I, I'm watching the episode with this. I'm literally watching that now. Where are you? They just got to the dentist. You'll see. <laughs>
0: Oh my god. Yeah, it's a this was a really good season, I think. And I and I love that like so because so season 1 and season 2 for those who like watch the show but like aren't fully aware, they actually filmed those like basically back to back cuz they were yeah. I mean they were all in Atlanta. Whereas season 3 is kind of post queer eye explosion everywhere like everybody knows them and the show and like what's going on. So I yeah, we, we when we talked about the this first like,
2: season, every time they said the fab five it felt disingenuous this time, every time they say it, it feels like, yes, they know who they're talking about now,
0: yeah, and and like they're established, you know, and which was all the more funny when Tan was making the comment about the French tuck in the first episode <laughs> of the season <laughs> three. And I'm like, they know they know things. It's fine.
2: We're gonna do a French tuck here, and shut up, I know
0: <laughs> everybody get off me, just shut up. <laughs> But like no, uh, everything is still great about it. All all of them still have their thing. I love the, I always love the the home, like the design makeover stuff that that Bobby does. Uh, oh my gosh! Um, yeah.
2: It again. It is it is formulaic. Oh yeah. Somewhat emotionally manipulative kind of thing, but it's it does it in such a nice. It's so positive good way
0: and like that- genuinely positive, not like just pretending to be happy. Oh
2: I- yes. So by the time you by the time you end a couple of year you end on a, a positive note but you are just like still kind of like I I haven't finished the season yet cuz I'm just emotionally drained. We
0: just finished it today. Um yeah, it was it's pretty good.
2: I got to an episode where a man was mourning his dead his his wife who he lost to cancer. Jesus, that one. And I just went I'm done. I have to <laughs> I have to find something else. I don't Yeah. I'll get back to you in like, twenty four hours. I can't handle anymore. Yeah. So. But it's it's good. I blame I blame you for this, by the way, Brittany.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah, (laughs) because I'm the one who pushed it on you guys, and you're like, "Damn it."
2: (laughs) (sighs) So since we've we've transitioned to what we both have been doing, what about what about other things have you two been up to?
1: Yes. So uh, sick,
0: baby. Yes. Aside from. uh, at least having something to watch while our son is coughing his brains out um
1: yeah the he they got over the flu seemingly and the ear infection and we had a couple calm days fever gone he has been to daycare
0: since then too so he's been he had three days at daycare after he was sick Um, and
1: today starts a mysterious cough and like
0: weird eye stuff happening like he's got like we've he, he, he's like mucusy stuff from in his eye that we've had to like clean out like several times today. So like we're just on this baby journey trying to learn like, and just be sad because like seeing a baby be sick is like super sad.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's not great. Uh The number of times uh one of my nieces would be like all snotty and gooey and you're just trying to trying to make them feel better. Yeah.
0: And- and then, You like, can't, he can't do you know... much
2: because they can't tell you anything.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then he's so small, he can't, you know, he can, it's not like he can blow his own
2: nose or anything. And you're just like, <laughs> he doesn't understand you enough for you to put a tissue to his face and go, blow. No, blow. <laughs> yeah. You just kind of want to squeeze him like he's a bellows and just.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, if you put the tissue to his face, he's like, the F is this. And then that starts getting mad. So. Well, we have the reverse I, I... of that
1: because we've got the, you know, the Frida. Oh, nose. he's not
0: about that at all. Just suck it.
2: All right. It's effective, but he hides it. For anyone that would be confused by this, I don't mean this sincerely. But how about you do in fact use him like a bellows. You <laughs> one holds him, covers his mouth, squeezes him by his belly, <laughs> forces air out his nose. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Don't don't do that. No yeah. one do that. Don't <laughs> listen to me. I'm just going for a dumb laugh. There'd be
1: more than boogers.
2: Oh.
0: But uh other than that, uh, I, I was just trying to throw something else in there that we've been up to. Well,
1: yeah, I think it's something we switched to Google Fi, and we said, you know, our so lives are
0: now run by Google. <laughs> so we've,
1: we've already got the pixels, and we could potentially <laughs> save money or just come out exactly where we are with Google Fi because they charge you for the data you use, not add just a blank. Oh, here's your, yeah. you know, whatever gigs of data. Now give us the money. Google's like, nah. If if you if you use two gigs, we'll just charge for two gigs. If you use Six gigs. We'll charge you for six gigs. Yeah,
0: you. Basically, okay, so
2: this is this is a, a Google like data service.
0: Uh, as as opposed, so we move from T Mobile to Google Fi. So like it's right. it's just a wireless service. Yeah. Right, um, right. the And the other upside that I liked is they also do a uh, um, VPN on uh, wireless networks when you yes. and it will automatically connect to them. So um, that's real nice. Yeah. So and then the fact that um, so. Google Fi actually pulls from T-Mobile and Sprint's networks and Sprint actually has decent signal back home. So Yeah. It um, does. Un-
2: that's another thing the, that would be interested in. Unlike the AT&T life I live.
0: And the, right. The, the
1: right. Other thing is about Google Fi with that VPN, that's how they give you quality data and service usually is because mm-hmm. it's just piggybacking on Wi-Fi whenever it can. Yeah. And it'll yeah. automatically connect it and just, all that. Yeah, so. it automatically grabs them.
0: And we we just thought like, well, we already have the phones that were like kind of designed for it, so we're like, well, we'll see. And plus, they had a we got a thing that was like, um, the the first month was free, so we were like, all right.
2: <laughs> man, I've been been meaning to upgrade my phone anyway because I've have just got my old S6 and I'm like, oh, oh wow. man.
1: Well, the other thing how old are you? <laughs> the other thing about Google Fi is it's based on the number of people on your plan, but after a certain point on the data, it's just free.
0: Yeah, yeah, So, like, on ours, there's two of us. So, like, after 10 gigs of data, you just don't get charged they, extra.
1: Yeah, they just quit charging you, and they're like, <laughs> go nuts. Like, you've yeah. already used...
0: I mean, that's a lot, but still, the, Yeah, at know. that
1: point, because it's $10 a gig, by that point, they're like, oh, hey, we've gotten 100 bucks out of you, go nuts. The, yeah. With three people, it's, I think, 12 gigs. Yeah, and something then...
0: like that. What, it, for one person, it's actually, like, pretty decent.
2: I was going to say, like, I honestly don't use that much wireless... Yeah, and, and you can uh, you can uh,
0: like screw around with it on their site. Like they've got a little tool to be like, oh, well, if I use this much and this blah blah blah. But anyway, yeah. So we we moved to that, and the the app is really nice. The service seems okay for now. We had an issue with it the other day, but that it was like that was also the day that it was like a torrential storm <laughs> craziness outside.
1: So we're like, ah. it's also
0: <laughs> yeah, the get home and it's like, yeah,
2: that was that was pretty.
1: We get home and they they've. I'm like, oh, let's turn on the TV, and it's like, oh wait, we don't have cable. We can't get any of the updates. Oh, yeah. I was like, because. The, I just saw that we have a tornado warning now. And then as soon as like she walks in the door and the tornado sirens start going off, and it's like, oh, good. <laughs> and then we pull it up on uh, on our phones, and then immediately they've got zoomed in over our apartment complex, pretty much. And they're yeah. like, if you're in this area, seek shelter. And we're like, oh, shit.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was great. I was, I was coming back from lunch uh, when the winds were getting kind of bad down here, I'm pretty sure I heard the siren go off as I was walking into work. I uh, anyway, uh, I was like, "What is that weird sound?" I get inside. And I'm thinking for a minute. I go, "Oh, that's probably tornado sirens." It's not <laughs> a thing I'm used to hearing. Seriously,
0: but uh, yeah. So all that, and then uh, moving on to happier topics uh, for us, <laughs> we yeah. have we have the first update on the movie draft.
1: Some removed draft. victory draft.
3: Welcome to your Movie Draft Minute, presented by DiamondClub.tv for the week of March 11th, 2019. I'm your host, Big Voice Jay. Keeping it short and sweet this week, there's only one movie out and one team on the board. Teams <laughs> Virtual Misery, The Vod Squad, Drunk Kids Gaming, Game Night, and Movie Party are tied for last place. And in first place, with a nine-figure debut from Captain Marvel, it's team have a drink. With $179.1 million, that's your stream team Movie Draft Minute all Photos are accurate as of March 16th, 2019.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I missed Big Voice Jay so much. Yes. Yes. Like, I just, I heard it, and I'm like, I feel like our show feels more complete now.
0: Oh, you know what? I meant to get the, um... The book? I'm going to look. Yeah, yeah the I'm going to get it up.
2: Uh, I mentioned right. it last time. I've got it in my my Audible stuff so I can...
1: Yes, so if you, you love the sultry deep voice of Big Voice Jay... Yes. Uh, send, send
0: me the link Bob if you can.
1: There's a book that he reads on Audible. So, yeah. Big Voice Jay is getting that voice out there and uh, you can go grab that book. I guess they're... I, I can try and keep stalling while they look it up.
2: It is Expel uh, Negativity Away. Going... Hold on. I'm trying to get to the whole title. Uh, exp- uh, expel- uh, expelled negativity away. Going through your deepest thinking to help you become positive, become a happier person, and be the person you always wanted to be. Uh, open parent, CBT, mindfulness, meditation, and hypnosis. Close parent.
1: Ah, yes, that, that, is so. that is exactly what I want to hear. Big Voice Jay doing like that. I'm just. Like,
2: no I I, I like listened that. to just a little sample before I just went ahead and hit. Buy- I guess I was just going to buy it anyway. I have I have. So, I feel like a, a a Audible, like, rich emperor. Like I have all of my credits here. You may have one. Well, and for those
0: who either don't have an Audible membership or don't have a credit available, if you do. The book is like five bucks, so... Yeah.
1: Some of us have paused but subscriptions.
0: Yes. Pause, I, I, not cancel, because you can it never really cancel a I to just, that,
2: just that little sample, and I'm just like...
0: Here, let me... Let me. You know,
2: if I'm doing anything meditation-wise or trying to like get in a good mindset, this is the voice I want.
0: Oh, definitely. So let me see if I can play this.
3: So if you're listening to my voice now, I am assuming that there is something already in your life which you absolutely desire to change... Be it some problem, worry, or concern within you that had brought you right here and now at this point in time.
0: It's just going to put me to sleep. Oh my gosh. Like deep relaxation. He definitely, yeah, th- that ex- that expels negativity away, that's for sure.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: plus, if you want to check out any other guys from the movie draft, uh, Ritual Misery, or come on on Fridays for game night, or uh, follow Drunk Kids Gaming, or anything like that. There are other people who I didn't mention, uh, Fitz and all of them. Right, right.
1: Uh, it's a boatload of people.
2: Boatload of people. They are great, wonderful people. You should follow them. Uh, mm-hmm. Follow them on Twitch. Give them, give them some, you know, throw them some dollars.
1: Follow them on Twitch, Twitter. Like you can track them down through our Twitter. We you can follow
2: also uh, follow the the movie draft uh, yes. Twitter. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, which is in discord
0: all right jim just i have jim just said how does he not have a massive career in vo i know right
1: he's working (laughs) on it
0: (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm.
1: i for that we can go ahead to the next announcement here uh Mm. get ready for next week we've kind of stopped announcing the next episodes because you know with babies and all this stuff they get tricky (laughs) things can change and we don't know who can show up for each episode which might change what the topic will be but we're pretty much in stone on our next topic, which is going to be uh, part two of this double header on Irish whiskey. So uh,
2: I feel almost like I can't use electric boogaloo after using it on the Modalvi one just last week, but I'm probably going to do it anyway. <laughs> so it has been a little. <laughs> you soon. have to.
1: That's just part twos are always electric boogaloo.
2: By the way, it's uh, at Stream Team Draft. Ah, okay. Is the That's- the Twitter page? So yeah,
1: next week. Uh, who- only only, uh, people who like to half-ass it are doing a single St. Patrick's Day or Irish-themed episode. No, no, we're doing two weeks' worth.
2: Oh, get us around it. We couldn't land it on St. Patrick's Day, so we had to make sure all of our broadcasts nearby.
1: Yep, we, we had to get to it one way or another, so buckle up, buckaroo. Let's go ahead and move into some news. Ooh. So well i guess it's kind of news well we decided to have a nice little a little a little talkie i guess you could say uh brewers association has been, unveiled the 2018 rankings of top u.s brewing companies
3: USA, um, usa
1: usa usa the brewers association today released its annual rankings of the top u.s beer companies based on projected 2018 sales volumes uh, amongst brewers association defined small and independent craft brewing companies Those businesses that make fewer than 6 million barrels of beer annually are less than 25% owned by a non-craft brewer. Uh, Pennsylvania's DG Yingling & Son once again secured the top spot as the largest producer of craft beer in the U.S.
2: You know, I saw cases of them now that they distribute to Kentucky, and I'm still looking at them going, I could probably buy a case of you and go through it. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I saw that their uh, their new pilsner um, at mm, our yeah. local Kroger. I was kind of intrigued. They're actually, really,
1: like they're diversifying with the different styles that they brew now. Like they're really yeah. Getting
2: out of it. I just there's just some days when you just want a, want a Yingling Lager just for some just for of, some good old it's, beer.
0: It's a beer ass um, beer. It is in like a good way, but also like I, I'm not ashamed to admit. Well, I'm a little ashamed, I guess. But uh, I still really liked their. Um, it's a Hefeweizen. I can't remember the name of it now, but it was really good, actually.
2: Mm. Well, who's uh, who's number two?
1: Boston Beer Company.
2: <laughs> that is. Yeah, none of these surprise
1: me at all. <laughs> Sierra Nevada coming in at third. Uh, we can just go. I'm just gonna scroll down to the list here. We can start kind of chewing through this thing because the top four, it, no big surprises. Because uh, trailing right behind them is New Belgium Brewing. Number four, mm-hmm. uh, right behind that, you've got uh, Duval... I can Duvel.
0: Have... I tried to look up how to say that, and I can't find anything. But yeah. Duv, its Flemish. So I'm going to put that
1: out there the as why. Overlords y. that <laughs> own Firestone Walker Boulevard Brewing. Anoma Gang. Yeah. Um, ah,
2: man, I forget that Boulevard is also owned by them.
0: I forgot. I didn't realize Omega Gang was. Uh... Yeah,
1: and then you've got uh, number six is another. Uh, another foreign you know
0: oh bridgeport conglomerate okay. yeah. that
1: owns uh spotzel brewery uh Turner what is it? i I don't know a lot of those
2: Browler and yeah. bridgeport brewing yeah I don't I don't know. think we get a lot of those
1: uh number seven you have bells eight you have the Canarchy. hmm uh, awesome. That was not surprising. They are either. up
2: from last year. It looks yes. like uh,
1: Cigar City, Oscar Blues, uh, Perrin? Perrin, yep, Utah Brewers Cooperative. So you, you've got a few in that one. And when we were in Asheville, hold on,
2: they they also have Three Weavers, which in my head is just always sung as if it is Dream Weaver. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, Three Weavers.
0: Needs to be, yes. They need to be playing that once a day at the brewery. We're in Asheville
1: <laughs> walking to the speakeasy. We're all just walking, you know, just cruising down down the road. And then uh, just notice a big banner on this getting rehabbed building front. Giant banner that says, Canarchy Brewers Collective coming soon. Oh. That's right. So, yeah. Uh, so. Man. Canarchy is going to be getting in on what's going on down in Asheville, and very excited about whatever's going to be going there, because they are kind of close. Oscar Blues has a brewery probably a half hour out of town. Hmm. But they're going to be putting some kind of big tap room or something in It'd
0: there. be interesting with the Cigar City thing, though, to have that mm, location.
1: Yes. Uh, but also, number nine, <laughs> Stone Brewing Company. One of our... It dropped
2: a little bit. Basically, yeah. Canarchy and Stone traded places. Had
1: to swap yeah, it. Yeah, Everything up until Canarchy is just a stagnant. Like, that's all how it was You're just
2: like, yeah, sure. (laughs) I always forget Bells is as big as it is. Yeah. Like, my brain thinks of Bells as like, oh, yeah, they're just a little... No, they're not.
1: Bells is the second largest family-owned and operated. Sierra Nevada Mm -hmm. is the top one? Or is D.G. Yingling & Son still family-owned?
2: Uh, uh, actually, BG D. I think, is still family owned. Yeah, I think are. he he's got it to his to his daughters. Yeah, okay. they they're still the last generation sold it to uh, gave it to his daughters.
1: So of the top ten, three of them are family owned. Yeah. Uh, so all right, but number nine was Stone Brewing. You can uh, hear you can learn a little bit about Stone Brewing by checking out our recent episode. Again, shameless plug, Walker. Uh,
2: you know, and Stone is one. I feel like should be higher in this list, but...
1: Well, there's a lot on here that I am very surprised by.
0: That are that Surprised by, like, how far down they are? Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: So, number 10 to close out the top 10 is Deschutes. Uh, not to be out... The Ladders. Del- coming again. in at 10.5. Yes. Uh,
0: I, I didn't realize um, Victory was part of a kind of a cooperative.
1: They So, they formed it with Southern Tier, and then this year, I think we skipped the story. I wanted to cover it, but Six I, got, point. I got outvoted. <laughs> is that they acquired six point.
0: Hmm.
1: So they had the artisanal brewing ventures. Uh, so Victory and Southern Tier decided to merge and form artisanal brewing ventures. And then they acquired six point. And this is kind of one of those craft acquiring craft things. I was like, yeah, I'm actually kind of OK with that.
2: So there's there's one of these I want to mention uh, for how high it is in the list and how high it's jumped it's, it's it's further back, so it's like we're, we're going back down to 28.
1: Oh, yeah. I already said so you said 28. I know what you're talking about.
2: Rheingeist jumped up 11 spots.
1: Local Cincinnati Brewery Rheingeist Brewing is number 28 on this list.
0: Probably because their distribution has kind of gone bonkers. I mean, they
1: yeah. They're getting it out there, and I guess people are buying it.
0: I'm a little surprised at some of these. Like, did you already say, like, are, is this based on sales,
1: I guess, or... Just, uh, like, rating? This is, is this brewed or shipped?
2: Uh, let's see. Place. I'm trying to get up to... Some, uh, these businesses make fewer than... It's not sold. Like, oh,
1: that's, okay. Six. That's for certain. It's it's going to be either based on the... Based on sales volume. Oh, sales volume.
0: Okay, so then that makes sense for some of these, then. Because yeah. some of these, I'm like, geez, why... Because, like... I, if it were just a strictly like a rating or, or some other kind of of measure, um, I'm like, wow, a beta is kind of farther down than I would have thought, or left hand is
2: a lot farther down than I would have thought that, if it's based number on number fifty, yeah, it's, yeah.
0: So that's kind of bananas. That,
1: that's kind of really weird to me to go, oh yeah, Rheingeist is bigger than Left Hand. It's like
0: what? One well, three Floyds. I, I expected them to be a little higher up. Too. Well, they're,
2: they're 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 hamstrung by distribution. Uh, ah, yeah, it's true. So a lot of these are, probably.
1: Distribution, and they're currently uh, having their big new brewery built. Mm, like a gigantic yeah. expansion that's going to rival what Sierra Nevada has. And
0: Flying Dog's at a nice spot, though. Like, I mean, for what? Because, new- you know, you don't always hear about them aside from, like, controversy.
2: <laughs> yeah. 16 is New Glarus for only distributing to Wisconsin. Again, yeah, keep that in mind.
3: That's it. They only like, distribute good job. Wisconsin. <laughs>
2: that's that's a level of, like, market permanence, I think, that any one of these places would like to have in more than just one state. But
1: People would kill for that. Like, that's not even trying.
2: Yeah. That's so a little that's, crazy. Uh, I was gonna make a reference, but let's just say that, that's fighting with one hand tied behind your back. Yeah. Uh, so Your right hand, perhaps? It's <laughs> so no, it, it it's fine. Move on. No Twenty spoilers.
1: and twenty-one. Uh, those are. I'm surprised didn't drop. So Great Lakes Brewing and Abita Brewing, because those are some real old brands that uh, have been
2: mm. not
1: refreshed anytime recently.
2: Well, and they haven't been. But like Abita is one that I will go to anytime, and Great Lakes, I will say I haven't bought in a while. But like every time I see them, I'm just kind of like, you make good beer. I should. The,
0: actually, this is a good time of year f- to get great lakes because that. Uh, if you if somebody hasn't tried it, I would highly recommend the Irish beer they put out around St. Patrick's Day. Um, I think it's called oh, Conway they're, they're, or something. The, yeah, yeah, it's so good. Conway Irish Red. Yes. Yes.
2: yes. Uh, <laughs> that said, it's hard not to. Pa- it's hard to pass up the on the Edmund Fitzgerald. Yes. Yeah.
1: So, looking at this list, uh, Surly Brewing up four spots. They're number 34. It's kind of odd to see because they're one of those, like, oh, whenever one of their bottles shows up at a line share, people usually kind of go nuts or used to go nuts trying to get it. But their distribution, like, they're exploding. They're getting everywhere right now. So, that's not a huge surprise to see them going up. But it's still ex- going down through at Rogues at 36. And it's like, Rheingeist is bigger than Rogue? Really? Yeah. <laughs> They're bigger than yeah. Rogue Revolution, Three Floyds, Uinta,
2: Flying Dog,
1: uh, Lost Coast, Saint Arnold. Like that.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like they're selling more than. <sighs> and and I don't know, don't know why, but like apparently they're doing something right. Yeah, at least sales wise.
1: Um, yeah, well, I mean they do have some pretty well uh, pretty good. They have some really good beer. They did a sour series uh this past mm. year that was amazing. And I never even got to try it. Everyone just went on and on about it. Never I never saw a bottle anywhere. So
2: uh Yeah, like I'm just kind of looking at th- through some of these just like wow. I
1: Oh, and they have some uh some of those uh wonky thing like other Other uh, breweries, you're like, well, where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? Well, uh, they say it's worth noting that the Brew Association's top 50 U.S. craft brewing companies list does not include some notable brewing ventures that many would consider producers of quote-unquote craft beer. Michigan's Founders Brewing, which sold a Mm -hmm. 30% stake to San Miguel in 2014, was excluded from the craft brewing list because its ownership structure it did, however, rank as the 14th largest overall beer company in the U.S. in 2018. Similarly, Oregon's Craft Brew Alliance, which owns uh, Kona, Woodmere Brothers, Red Hook, Omission, Appalachian Mountain Brewery, Winwood Brewing, and Cisco Brewers beer labels, uh, is 31.3% owned by Anheuser-Busch InBev. The they produced- also have an
2: editor's note that for the same reason and to the same company as uh, founders. Uh, or Maui San Miguel, uh, Avery Brewing is no longer yes. listed on this. So, uh,
1: But they produced more than 719,000 barrels in 2018, according to an SEC filing and ranked at the 12th largest overall brewing company in the U.S. Uh, for the second year in a row, San Francisco's Anchor Brewing was absent from the U.S. craft brewing companies. Huh. As a result well, of its $85 million sale to Sapporo Holdings. Yeah. It was, however, ranked 27th on the Brewers Association's Top 50 Overall Brewing Companies list, ahead of Harpoon Brewery, which ranked 18th as the Brewer Association's Top 50 U.S. Craft Brewing Companies list. So, also, a uh, big, big note to go check out the news episode uh, for some anchor news about... Uh, An update on their push for unionization.
2: Well, someone's push, maybe not necessarily anchors. (laughs) Well, no. People at
1: anchors. The employees, and what? Yeah, we we talked about what that could mean for craft. Uh, Finally, San Diego's Green Flash Brewing, which was ranked as the forty third largest craft brewing company in twenty seven, fell out of the top fifty. The company encountered significant financial trouble last year and was forced to close two production facilities, layoff seventy six employees and pulled distribution from 42 states.
2: Uh, yeah, we we talked a lot about them in the news episodes that we've been doing, uh, but Green Flash had a rough 2018. Uh, some pretty hard retrenching, uh, followed by some liquidation sales, followed by some S- ousting of people. And-
1: yeah, I'm pretty sure that they're only selling like a- right in their local community right now, wherever the final production facilities are.
2: I mean, also, they should have done some rebranding, because their can labels look terrible. They
1: did. They rebranded.
2: Okay. Yep. New brand. I don't think they looked that much better, if yeah. I recall. No, but... they
1: didn't, but they rebranded. So, yeah, <sighs> uh, you can go to uh, Brew Association or Brewbound or just just type in... Uh, top 50 U.S. craft brewers. And you're going to find this list if you want to comb through it, see where your favorites are uh, are ranking on here, or if they even are ranking. Because still, think about that. Left hand brewing, number 50. Think about that.
2: Man, and that left handed nitro milk stout. Yeah. It's so good.
1: I lose sleep. That, over that. said,
2: I don't drink anything else from left hand, so there's <laughs> also that.
1: Could be part of the problem.
2: They need to focus more on that stout.
1: All right. Well, uh, there's no untapped, so let's go ahead and dive in.
3: We're not that drunk. Seeking bastards. We're not that drunk. We're not that drunk. We're not that drunk. Bad drunk.
1: Yes. Aren't we? We can.
0: Not on Irish
2: whiskey. What? Oh. You're drunk on Irish whiskey.
1: Hold on, everyone's got to refresh
2: their glasses. Yeah, no, I'm trying to make sure I do it into the mic so you can hear just how. Oh, that was too large a pour. That last bit for <laughs> microphone audio was a uh, was a mistake. Uh. All right, yeah, we are talking about Irish whiskey today. Uh. Before we get started, let me just say Irish whiskey was my intro to whiskey. I. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Mo- Same here. I, I would say it's most people's.
2: It probably is. It, it's it's the, the easier entry into it. And it. Uh, quick story. As I, I think I told Chris, I have probably said this in the show before. Friend of ours uh, gave me a sip of Jameson Irish whiskey out of a flask. Uh, and I went. Well, you're going to find me dead in a gutter with this because that went down way too easy.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So
0: as it tends to do with Irish whiskey.
2: Yeah. So, let's talk a little bit about it. Before we get into the history, which is most of today's episode, let's get a legal definition. Because legal legalese is always what we're best at here.
1: Oh, yes.
2: Well, so, what does it take to be an Irish whiskey? Well, Irish whiskey is a protected European geographical indication, GI, under Regulation EC, uh, number... Uh, 110-2008, as of uh, the 29th of January 2016, production, labeling, and marketing of Irish whiskey must be verified by the Irish Revenue Authorities as conforming with the Department of Agriculture, Agriculture's, a hard word to say right now, <laughs> Agriculture's 20, uh, 2014 technical file for Irish whiskey. The key requirements include specifications that... Irish whiskey must be distilled on the island of Ireland, comprising the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. So, even that little little Great Britain section, that United Kingdom section, that counts too. Uh,
1: That's really what it, the wars were fought over.
2: We are going to get into this. Not a lot. Oof. But we're going to talk a little bit about this. Um. Uh, Anyway, the muscle must be from a mash of malted cereals with or without whole grains of other cereals, uh, and which has been sacrificed, I'm assuming that's something from saccharin, so Mm. sugared, by the distaste of of, uh, malt uh, contained therein, with or without natural enzymes. I'm reading a lot of science things here that I wish Casey was here to clear up for. but these are a lot of sugar terms and they have to be processed with natural enzymes is how I'm reading that so if I'm wrong please inform me Mm. Uh, it needs to be fermented by the action of yeast it must be distilled at an alcohol strength of no less than 94.8% alcohol by volume in such a way that distillate has an aroma and taste derived from the materials used. And it's subject to the maturation of the final distillate for at least three years in a wooden cask such as oak not exceeding 700 liters or 150 U.S. gallons.
1: 185.
2: Uh, 85 U.S. gallons, 154 imperial gallons. Hmm. I I wonder
1: Uh, why they cut theirs to three years. Is it just to, you know, undercut bourbon?
2: (laughs) I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's. I don't know if that's just how out. they used to do it, or or what the, what the issue is with that. But hmm. uh, also the distillate, which only uh, only water and plain caramel coloring may be added, which is E one fifty A. I don't know what that means. Uh, retains its color, aroma, and taste derived from the product process referred above. Irish whiskey is to have a minimum alcoholic content of at least 40% or 80 proof. Individual technical specifications of the three varieties of Irish whiskey, single pot still, single malt, single grain, and blended whiskey, a mix of two or more of these varieties, are outlined in the technical file. The use of the term single in the aforementioned varieties being permissible only if the if the whiskey is a is totally distilled On the site of a single distillery, which is something we talked about in the scotch episode. Like a single malt, one malt at that place.
1: So why this is one thing that I always think is weird, that when we get into the scotches and Irish whiskeys and a lot of that. Why is it we don't do very much of that in the U.S.? You don't have a lot of someone, a whole lot of companies distilling it and then shipping it elsewhere. Like bourbon and American whiskey. It's whoever distilled it is like 90% of the time who's aging it.
2: I'm not sure. I think it's something there's something about how it used to be done in Europe. I'm I'm sure is part of that. When it came to America, I'm assuming we got too secretive about how we do our processes and didn't want anyone else involved. So we, we just kind of became more exclusionary in that. Uh, so we, but we ran. I know a lot of other places. You're getting blends of other places whiskeys and all kinds of weirdness. We so. ran
1: to all the sparsely populated areas and started putting. That big also barns. that
2: also may have a big big factor <laughs> in it because uh, you know <laughs> Kentucky. It's where you want to go during the uh, zombie apocalypse, not because of any particular geographical features, because we're so sparsely spread out that the zombies won't have time to take hold. Pretty much. <laughs> Uh, oh, uh, Furry Viking has in there I think it, a lot of it had to do with the history back in the old UK. You went to a bar that had a barrel and you got the jug filled. Mm. So that also may be part of it too. Uh, one last one last thing for the legal requirements uh, for it. Uh, maturation only takes place on the Isle of Ireland. Okay. So Now, there is also some stuff about the labeling of it, which Frankly, there's less, so it's not going to be as confusing. Uh, So spirits must be labeled, packaged, sold, advertised, or promoted in such a way to suggest that they are Irish whiskey uh, or any of the sub-varieties. They cannot do that unless they meet the relevant requirements. Any age statement must refer to the youngest whiskey used. Uh, And although traditionally spelled with an E, Irish whiskey may be spelled without the E as W-H-I-S-K-Y. So,
0: Which is contrary to what you would you generally see.
2: Generally, it's spelled with an E. And a lot of the research I'm talking about, uh, I was reading, getting prepped for this, uh, talks about like the E coming into Irish whiskey eventually. Uh, and why you see it predominantly in America spelled that way as well is because Irish immigrants were in greater numbers and they spelled it the way they knew it when they came here. Mm. Uh, but uh i do sometimes see different spellings depending on uh for american whiskeys depending on how they feel that day i i always wonder if there's some connection to an older scotch brand sometimes but i have never gotten a clear answer from anyone when i asked that question so
0: um i do want to say before you get into like the more uh in-depth stuff uh as with any of the um uh spirit related episodes that we do i'm going to recommend the um the kind of not really one episode but like the series on the modern rogue youtube channel for um when they go to the whiskey vault and um especially the, the one that's about essentially about like how to drink whiskey and all that stuff because uh, they do he does talk about the difference between irish whiskey scotch bourbon blah 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 so like that is incredibly helpful
2: Yes, uh, especially just in trying to get intro into it and how to, you know, do a little drop of water in there. Open that some bitch yeah. up.
1: All right, uh, are, are we ready to get good and uh, depressed?
2: Oh, man, <laughs> that's, that's the question you ask at the beginning of any Irish history question.
1: Yes, I, I, I took a whole Irish history course.
2: God, I wish I could have had one of those in college.
1: And an Irish literary history course. Guess what's oh. more depressing? The literary history.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, because you get to hear from the actual people about how depressing their lives were. <laughs> and they did it while drunk, which is usually a depressant. <laughs> uh, alcohol is a depressant, so can't imagine it lifted their spirits.
1: <laughs> oh, it's true.
2: All right, so... Let's dive in here. So, despite being seen as the smoother, less complex, uh, complicated flavor, uh, Irish whiskey, its history is a little bit more complex than you would usually assume. Uh, It may be the oldest type of whiskey, although, as we mentioned, there is some debate about that. uh, And they have changed the spelling of the word. Uh, Then distillers clung to a tradition that would hurt them until multiple laws of multiple countries caused closures and almost ended to the end of commercial distilling. So let's go take a moment here and try to see what happened to make Irish whiskey lose that, lose its prestige uh, among the likes of bourbon and scotch on those years back and kind of see how it started to bounce back. So despite some debate, some debate, it seems Irish whiskey, uh, well, Irish whiskey did originate in Ireland, but whiskey itself seems to have originated in uh, uh In Ireland, and I'm sorry, I saw Jim's response of, oh my god, I switched from Eagle Rare to Hibiki, and the Eagle Rare is almost like syrup. That's
1: what Daddy likes. That's what Daddy likes. (laughs)
2: Uh, Alright, so, uh, if you, now, when we're talking about whiskey here, uh, in this particular case, if you didn't notice, I did not pronounce the E in that particular, particular use. It's because it didn't exist at this time. The time, at this time, all whiskey was spelled W H I S K Y. At the time, it actually wasn't even called whiskey. It was called uh, Uskabetha.
1: Uskabetha.
2: Uskabetha. Uh, that's in Gaelic, uh, which means water of life. Uh, so, to life. Well, it's believed that Irish monks brought the uh, brought the technique of distilling perfumes back to Ireland from their travels in the Mediterranean countries around 1000 AD. Quick sidebar: There's a story I was hearing from a comedian in a stand-up special I was watching recently. He talked about why he is no longer he no longer drinks because someone held up a glass at a party and said. Is this perfume or is this alcohol? He grabs it, drinks the whole bottle, hands it back to them and says, It's perfume, and keeps walking. (laughs) So. (laughs) Sorry, I also saw Boss Pour. Yeah, when I said I poured too much. uh, I poured too much. It's going to get gone, though. Uh, So, the... Irish then modified the technique for these perfumes to obtain a distillable, to a distill, make a drinkable spirit, because that is the most Irish thing I can think of. We've found a way to make perfumes. We can smell better. Don't care. How do I drink it?
1: (laughs) It's very much like that Family Guy thing where they're showing what was Ireland like before the invention of whiskey, and it's like this futuristic (laughs) Buck Rogers society.
2: Yes, and it's like we found a way to distill these, the sweet.
1: You know, it's <gasps> woohoo! so and so just uh, brewed up all this in his basement, and they'll then just completely everything's on fire, and yeah.
2: Well, uh, although the term whiskey, uh, although it was termed whiskey, the spirit produced during this period uh, differed from what we would currently recognize as that usquebeita uh, or whiskey produced in historical times. Excuse me, would not have been aged and was often flavored with aromatic herbs such as mint, thyme, or anise.
1: That is a good point to make that uh, every everything that we know and enjoy as whiskey right now within the last hundred years has completely changed. Uh, everything
2: is, you know is wrong, black is white, up is down, and short is long.
1: It is. Weird Al said it best. <laughs> But uh, that's one of the reasons I had to cut back to bourbon that I'm really excited for what uh, Buffalo Trace is doing because that they're going to try and start doing, this, yeah, like that old actual frontier whiskey.
2: Like they are oh, gonna be oh. doing. Oh, okay. V-
1: with the OFC vats that they uncovered and those fermenters, and they fired back up, they're going to try and do some like that... actual traditional whiskey.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, that'll be that'll be pretty interesting. You'll probably be able uh, to chew it. <laughs> probably. Uh, or you're going to have that reaction of Doc Brown uh, in Back to the Future 3. Oh. He talks the whole night, not drinking a shot. He does the one, and then he falls over.
1: He usually just holds it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, uh, yeah, so uh, Irish Mist, which is a whiskey liqueur that was launched in 1963 is purportedly based on that original recipe. So maybe you could try to find a version of that. Now, uh Irish mist does sound like I'm taking a shower though. Uh sorry, I'm thinking of Irish spring the soap because my brain is basic. Uh Although known to have occurred hundreds of years ago, records of whiskey production in Ireland can be difficult to come by, uh, particularly in the earlier years when production was unregulated. Uh, Even in the later years, as production was frequently illicit, uh, official records bear little reflection of reality. In addition, as many Irish records uh, were traditionally oral rather than written, details in early production are likely lost. So the problem with oral, oral traditions... They don't exist when you stop saying them.
1: Just ask uh, ask the Vikings and the Picts how that worked having Uh, older traditions.
2: The first thing I would do with a time machine is travel back, somehow understand older languages, and then go. All right, tell me everything you know. (laughs) So much. No, just keep telling me these stories.
1: It's infuriating how much is lost. It's like, oh, everyone talks about you know the burning of you know the Great Library in uh, in Alexandria. It's like, no, the, just so much loss from oral tradition. It's like, just write it down, damn it.
2: I mean, also bad. But the burning of Alexandria, still real bad.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, the oldest known written record of whiskey comes from Ireland in 1405 in the yeah. Irish annals of uh,
2: Clon... Clonmacos...
1: Clan Clon I'm, I'm guessing. i doing it in a I'm Scottish just... accent. Yeah. Where it was written that the head of the clan died after <laughs> taking a surfite of Aquaveta at Christmas, and its first known mention of Scotland dates from 1494. So, Suck it, Scotland. <laughs> the, the, they got the Scots beat there, uh, you know. About 90 Almost a century. Yeah, close to it. I could see that. I'll give them that. However, it is known that by 1556, whiskey was widespread. As an act passed by the English Parliament declared whiskey to be a drink, nothing profitable, to be drunken daily and used. Yeah, so it's from Ireland is what they were saying. (laughs) Uh, The act also made it technically illegal for anyone other than the peers, gentlemen, and freemen of... uh, Larger towns. So, yeah, to distill spirits without a license from the Lord Deputy. However, as a crown control did not extend far beyond the pale, a f- fortified area around Dublin, this had little effect. So, yeah, the crown really didn't have much control over exactly what was happening with it.
2: Well, I mean, that's going to be... Uh... That's a problem anywhere you go, really. In
1: 1608, King James I granted one such license to Sir Thomas Phillips, a landowner in Bushmills County Hmm. Antrim. Hmm. It is through this license that the Old Bushmills Distillery lays claim to being the oldest surviving grant of license to distill in the world. However, the current Bushmills distillery and company was not registered to trade until 1784, which allows the Kilbegan distillery, former, formerly uh Lokes distillery, founded by the McManus family. In... I think it
2: would still be Locks. I don't Locks. think they they
1: okay.
2: I don't know why they put E's on things, but I think it would still be Locke. I'm not sure though.
1: All right. Founded by the McManus family in Kilbegan County, uh, Westmeath which has been licensed and distilling since 1757, not counting the period between 1954 and
2: 2007. That's, that's also where I would call his issue, because it's like, well, you weren't making anything continuously. You closed.
1: Yeah, yeah you, weren't, you weren't distilling. To lay claim to the title of the oldest licensed distillery in Ireland, uh, Kilbegan also has what is believed to be the oldest operational copper pot still in the world. Over 250 years old. In 1661, a tax was placed on whiskey, uh, still no E, in Britain and Ireland. The tax was not mandatory till 1761, but it did begin a distinction to what was made legally and what was being made uh, behind someone's shed. So, uh, from a regulatory <laughs> perspective, the introduction of this act is a historical milestone. As it provides a clear distinction between illicit and illicit whiskey distillation in Ireland, uh, I don't know. Are we? Ah, oh, yes, we do. Okay. Sorry, I was, I was gonna say, oh, but it's called this, and it's like yeah, we're getting there. For many we're, years, we'll, fo- we'll get there. Yeah, for many years following uh, the in- introduction of this act, whiskey produced uh, by registered distillers was known as Parliament whiskey. While the produced by illicit producers was and still is referred to as pachin, in Gaelic term uh, meaning small pot, much like its American cousin, uh, pachin is now being made illegal or now being made legally and put on shelves. I only know how to correctly say that because uh, I had a professor who may or may not have had dealings with former IRA members. Right, I do love the fact that they. Back over.
2: Right, I do love the fact that they would just start going like, "No, nah, that's Parliament's whiskey." <laughs> I I assume they somehow still had mason jars in Ireland and went. Shh,
1: <laughs> no, it's get uh, it's old wine bottles.
2: Ah, I feel like it should always be mason jar.
1: The preferred vessels are old wine bottles. It uh, it honestly looks a lot more like uh, modern craft mead. So because that's where they're filling up, you know, like tall, skinny bottles. Yeah. So Irish whiskey was flying high at this time as it was the premier whiskey in the world. Scottish distillers were were distilling in Dublin because they could charge 25 percent more for Irish whiskeys than they could for other types. But that's
2: insane to me. Yeah. The Scotch makers are like, screw it. Let's just make it in Dublin. Why charge more charge more?
1: But then came an uh, invention that caused them a great issue, the coffee steel. Steel. still. God, it's already getting to me. <laughs> We've talked a bit about the column steel before, but the Irish were not very fond of it. The coffee still was more efficient and removed more volatile components, which some of the Irish steelers claimed robbed it of its flavor. Scotland was all for it, though, and quickly uh, adapted it. Soon they were outproducing the Irish distillers and becoming a real threat. The Irish as a whole were not uh, not to have a good time as this was going on since the, the Great Famine was happening. But all these troubles were just better and better news for scotch makers.
2: That's going to be a key point in the story going forward. Uh, bad news for Irish whiskey is good news for scotch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they they deliberately chose a worse method of, well not worse but a a less efficient method of making uh, making whiskey because it kept some of the the contaminant quote contaminants that gave it more distinction in its base flavor uh, and maybe that's why they're they're aging it less time because they don't need to pull the flavor from the from the barrel but they need to pull it from the from the liquor itself, where scotch is all about pouring it from uh, uh, pour, pulling all that flavor from the barrel and from the peat mm. and everything else that goes into it. Uh, I will say that not all Irish distillers did immediately just, you know, no, only the pot still, but I will say what we're drinking today is a single pot still. Yes. So
1: the Irish distillers banded together. Sorry. any Anytime you come in to talk about the famine, it's just super, super depressing. Like just <sighs> thinking, even trying to fathom someone being worried about making whiskey during that period of time. It's just like, no, that is a travesty in and of itself.
2: Yeah. But let's also put in the fact that everyone was starving
1: Starving, not not just start starving to death. Yes. Uh, The Irish distillers banded together to try and ban whiskey made this way. In 1878, the big Dublin distillers jointly published a pamphlet entitled "Truths About Whiskey Still Noe," in which they referred to the output of coffee stills as good, bad, or indifferent, but it cannot be whiskey.
2: Man, that is some old school protectionist BS.
1: Yeah, and it ought not it ought not be sold under that name. <laughs> the issue came to a head in nineteen oh eight when a royal commission was appointed to investigate the issue. By this point, point, sixty percent of all whiskey produced in Britain and Ireland was made in coffee stills. In 1909, a royal commission settled the argument declaring that whiskey could refer to the output uh, of by either coffee or pot stills. So, boom. There's,
2: a, there's an interesting note in this that uh, cognac was having a similar problem at around a similar time.
1: Hmm.
2: And they decided in France, no, no, it must be with a, the, the, the less efficient manner. And they just created Armagnac. For that,
1: so that's that's just the most French thing, most French thing ever. You know that that just keeps in line with them.
2: (laughs) No, no, no. We will not make. We will make it worse. You will be fine.
1: So uh, the bad news continued for Irish distillers uh, as the beginning of the 20th century. Starting off, uh, there was a world war. Hmm, who would have thought it? Yeah, which is never really good for the stability needed for luxury items to be sold. They were also so, It's
2: almost like they're needing to co-opt most of your industry for other things, and like, oh, no, you can't really have that much liquor.
1: <laughs> they were also part of the Great Britain's empire, though not happily. They even attempted to rebel against British rule in 1916 with the Easter Rising. Oh, my heart. <laughs> four, yeah. Four, 400 Irishmen staged a revolution in Dublin, to throw off British control during World War One, it did not go well for the Irishmen. Then, uh, once the war ended, Ireland tried again in 1919, and after years of bloody fighting, managed to get independence in 1921. So there was, uh, who was it? Uh, there was like a boatload. I think it was from uh, the Italians. There was they were supposed to get. Uh, reinforcements in the form of an entire ship loaded down with weapons and ammo to mm-hmm. help them with their cause and the ship got lost and never made it.
2: Yeah. And then there's I kinda gloss over the whole bloody Sunday incident, but that's one of the key exciting things for the the war for independence and Yeah. So uh, it, it's it's a rough time in Ireland.
1: Oh yeah. I mean that's you're painting in black and tans, and it's just not good. <sighs> the treaty that ended the war for Irish independence uh, led to a split between the leaders of the revolution and the population. And so the Irish Civil War started in 1922 and went until 1923. Officially, that's... that's the, yeah. It seems during all of this Irish... Ceasefire whiskey...
2: was made in 1923.
1: Yeah, it seems during all of this Irish whiskey sales were down and the trend didn't seem to be improving anytime soon. If you ask the Again. Irish, the, the Irish Civil War is kind of still going.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, kind of, I will say, their political divides are getting a little bit better, since the people who were in the Civil War now are at least dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it helps. <laughs> oh.
3: <All right. sighs>
0: Well, if you notice from the dates we just mentioned, it was around this time that Ireland lost its second largest market, the United States, to Prohibition. The unwillingness... Oh, that's
2: picture of our show. Uh, yeah, really. U.S. Prohibition.
0: Uh, uh, the unwillingness of most distillers in Ireland to send their whiskey over to America illegally via bootleggers during Prohibition not only fully closed this vital market, but, as with their rejection of continuous distillation, gave Scotch an advantage whilst knockoff irish whiskey was damaging its reputation many distillers in scotland were more than happy to ensure their bottles were making it across the atlantic gaining a foothold in america this foothold would be truly cemented after the second world war when american troops stationed in the uk also returned home with a taste for blended scotch whiskey because who wouldn't Uh. get that
2: yeah, uh, Furry Viking was mentioning it in the chat Let's see how Brexit affects the situation uh, I want to talk about that next week When we get into You know, more modern stuff And to see uh, if I will uh, say any current Bushmills, votes Change it oh, Yeah, I will say this Bushmills is in Northern Ireland
1: Yep And that's so, what I, I know of Brexit And some of the main issues Are the uh, Northern Ireland Versus Republic So it's uh, there can never be a wall there because yep. the one time they tried that, people just kept blowing it up. <laughs> it's like the, the presence of a physical wall to separate the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland elicits violence. For whatever reason, yeah. just seeing a wall there, the Irish, loo- both, of, both sides, lose I their mean, minds and have to destroy it.
2: You know what? It seems like walls may be a bad idea to put between... You know, never mind. <laughs> right yeah.
1: now, it's a... Uh, virtual fence is kind of how they refer to it. They're like guard towers every so often and it's mostly cameras and drones that have that border and that they're trying to figure out how the hell they're going to tax things across that border if Brexit happens and it's, it's a mess. <laughs> they're
2: not. They're just going to have to explain that it's it's just not working.
0: <laughs> Alright, well, as long as they could still trace, uh, or trade with their largest market britain then it's possible they could have managed the loss of such a large market then irish government decided in 1932 that it needed to build a national industry so it wouldn't be economically reliant on england and began to pass protectionist tariffs on english products england didn't care for this and began to stop trade with ireland and ensure that none of the commonwealth could trade with them either not great uh so the trade war began To
2: be clear... I would say there's a lot of uh, Irish economic decisions that are uh, a lot of cutting your nose off to spite your face.
0: (laughs) Mm, Yeah, yeah. Um, That sounds about right. (laughs) Uh, To be clear, they were entering a trade war with Britain in the hopes of being able to tax domestic consumption and the distillers couldn't take it. Uh, Distillery after distillery...
2: This is also happening... During a during the global Great Depression,
0: right, right, uh, which was a, another thing. So yes,
2: um, no, I'm just like like man, you guys picked really bad times.
0: Pretty much, yeah. Uh, distillery after distillery, never to open their doors again. The only people who um, profited from Ireland's decisions were Scotland distillers, as always. Once again. <laughs>
1: Scotland is there to uh, profit off of the Irish loss.
0: Yeah. Um, When Alfred Bernard, I'm assuming, uh, a British historian, published his account of the distillers of Britain and Ireland in 1887, there were 28 distilleries in operation in Ireland. By the 1960s, there was only a handful of these remaining in operation, and in 1966, three of these, John Jameson, Powers and Cork Distilleries Company chose to amalgamate their operations under the name of Irish Distillers and to close their existing facilities and concentrate their operations in a new purpose built facility to be constructed beside the old Middleton Distillery in Cork, or in County Cork. In nineteen seventy two, these were joined by the only remaining Irish operation bush mills, so that <clears throat> by the mid nineteen seventies. There were only two whiskey distilleries in operation in Ireland, the New Middleton Distillery and the Old Bushmills Distillery, both owned by Irish Distillers, and with only one of these having operated during Irish Whiskey's golden years. Uh, just a note, Irish Distillers is the name of the group. Because <laughs> yeah. it just sounds kind of weird. <laughs> You're like, wait, capitalize that, you
2: know. Yeah, no. Uh, They decided to vor- to Voltron together. and try to at least stay afloat.
0: Pretty much. Um, Jameson blended Irish whiskey became the flagship brand that the entirety of the Irish whiskey industry could now get behind. Wait, did I skip that? No? Okay. Um, A triple distilled whiskey made from single pot still and grain whiskies. It was both different from scotch blends and quintessentially Irish. It was also aided by the wood policy Irish distillers would... Uh, were beginning to adopt as they were among the first to really s- uh, scrutinize the casks they were using and seek out the best quality available. The Monopoly, meanwhile, was finally broken in 1987 very recent when John Teeling purchased um the
2: uh,
0: Kamichi? Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I had no idea.
0: Uh Teo? which produced potato alcohol and converted it into a whiskey distillery named Cooley. This new Mm. independent distillery was founded the same year that Irish distillers was purchased by Pernod Ricard, who had seen the potential of the resurgent Irish whiskey category. Irish whiskey continued to build momentum throughout the 1990s and into the 2000s and Diageo would go on to purchase Bushmills in 2005.
2: Yeah, when I was working through this, I was like, I don't think Jameson and Bushmills are owned by the same company. He's like, well, now they're not. (laughs) Well, I don't think they are now. Uh, Keep going. I have (laughs) research to
0: do. This only saw the trend continue as Pernod Pernod Ricard, is how I'm going to say that now, and Diageo, the two largest spirit groups in the world, both use their considerable resources to promote Irish whiskey investing in distilleries and brands and seeing the category grow by as much as 15 to 20% year after year. Quite extraordinary, although not altogether unsurprising given Irish whiskey's tradition, just how small its market share had become and the quality of the whiskeys that had been produced. Jameson continues to lead the way with sales increasing from around half a million cases at the close of the 1980s to over 4 million cases today becoming one of the top 20 best-selling whiskey brands in the world.
1: Ooh. And the kind do of have, a big deal. Kind <laughs> of a big deal and uh we we're talking pre-show. Uh they might have some of the best when it comes to whiskey advertising cuz they decided to get oh, with yeah. that kind of most interesting man in the world thing uh with uh John Jameson. Trying to yeah. promote right. him as just like going out, going to extreme lengths, just to, always to save the uh, barrels of whiskey. Those were
0: great commercials, actually.
2: Yeah, we were watching one earlier that was in uh, one of the articles I pulled this from, and it was, uh, oh, uh, yeah, them saving, uh, uh, saving whiskey from a runaway train.
1: And it was, John, uh, John Jameson ignores the uh, entire carload of beautiful women and, uh, Save to to save the whiskey, and then in the end, he saves the whiskey and sets the uh, the steel steel horse free.
0: Iron horse, iron horse, iron Uh, horse. It wasn't it like, and coincidentally, he also caused the prevented the prevented prevented the
2: Prussian incursion of eighteen oh whatever. Yeah, eighteen (laughs) oh seven. The reason you've not heard of it is because it didn't happen.
0: Yeah, Uh, those are great
2: commercials. Like, good
1: Mm -hmm. job. so yeah that's uh part one the down and dirty history of uh irish whiskey and uh we will put a put a bow on it all next week as we get into actually what uh what you're doing with the irish whiskey and uh speaking of irish whiskey let's get into what we've been drinking
3: drink with me friend
1: because it doesn't always happen but occasionally we all have the same idea and we get yeah. uh, unintentional uh, tastings here at the end. So uh, I had been planning for a while ever since we decided what we were going to do an Irish whiskey episode. I was going to be uh, enjoying
2: some Green Spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I was trying to decide what to pick up, and so I went in there and eventually settled on some Green Spot.
1: <laughs> so, so here we are, all drinking Green Spot. So, uh, if you've not heard, Green Spot uh, is a brand. You, the, this is the Spot series. There's a green. The, the green comes in different uh, varieties, but you can also get a yellow and a red spot. Uh, this is a all distilled for Mitchell & Son. Uh, I think they do mostly wine out of there. Uh, this is a single pot still Irish whiskey. Strength is coming at 40% alcohol. It's a non age statement, single pot still Irish whiskey comprising of pot still whiskeys aged between seven and ten years. The whiskey has matured in a combination of new bourbon and refill bourbon casks, as well as sherry casks. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of awards and acclamations that they have for this particular type is uh, the Ultimate Spirits Challenge in 2017. Gave it 89 points. Uh, International Spirits Challenge 2016. Gave it a silver award. Beverage Tasting Institute in 2016. 91 points. Jim Murray Whiskey Bible in 2016. Gives it a 94.5 points. Ultimate Spirit Challenge 2016. 95 points. Finalist. So let's... I'm going to have to refresh my pour here. Because we're going to get into some notes.
2: So... Let me, uh, let me do. Like, we'll probably talk about this more le- next time uh, on our other other episode. However, Bush Mills is owned by uh, Jose Cuervo now. Oh, really? Yeah, yes, since 2014, at least according to to this uh, to Wikipedia. And uh, Irish Distillers is uh, owned again by Bernard uh, Richard Ricard. So, uh, which Irish distillers makes Green Spot?
1: Ah, ah, okay then. So, so they're the one they're producing it for uh, Mitchell and Son. Yeah, I see, I had trouble uh, looking on the website finding out who was producing it. I just saw, well, Mitchell and Son is who sells it. it they are not the ones. Making they make it, it
2: exclusively for them to sell it.
1: Okay. All right, well, uh, let's, uh, if everyone has a pour, let's dig in on this bad boy. So they're saying your nose, you should get fresh aromatic oils and spices with orchard fruits and barley on a background of toasted wood.
2: I do get, uh, I do get some of that. They say orchard, and I was like, yes, I do smell like, like, like tree fruit, I guess is the easiest way to describe it in my brain.
1: I really... It's reminiscent,
2: but I do not
0: want to say apple. No, well, I, I, more pear. I was I was yes. leaning
2: almost more towards orange, but that's also from like some of that alcoholic burn and a like. So it's 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 reminding me of that, that that citrus acidity. So mm. all right, uh, spices, It is I it is a wonderful like, thing to smell. Uh,
1: very oily, I'm
0: Unf- saying aromatic oils. Mm-hmm. I get- See, unfortunately, I also got a little the the fingernail polish remover smell.
2: There is there is a there is an alcohol.
0: Like harsh acetone. smell,
2: which yeah. I associate with, with fingernail polish remover, so I, I know what you're talking about.
1: Alright, well, uh, we've all been sipping sipping away at this thing uh, the whole episode, so taste uh, they're saying you should get a full spicy body, a hint of cloves along with a fruity sweetness of green apples, rounded off with toasted oak, followed by lingering flavors of spices and barley. I definitely pick up uh, the barley. Spices are light and mild. Uh, I, clove, I do get a good hint of clove, but uh, way early on, I don't know if it was pre-show or just when we started the episode uh, in the chat talking with Free Viking, um, it, honestly, I get really a real sweet body to this, and it's like butter cookies.
2: Hmm. I was getting sweetness as well, but I was thinking more along the lines of like like a licorice, like maybe like a black licorice or something okay. like that during the first bit of— sips I had. Oh,
1: no, I definitely get a lot of that. Uh, Because this does come in a lot hotter than like a Jameson or something. Mm -hmm. So uh, with that I do, I can see the licorice.
2: I think we said when I tried my first little sip of it, uh, when we started uh, this call, I was like, yeah, it's like Jameson, but with like some heft to the flavor.
0: Yeah. Mm. Because Jameson's like nothing, basically.
2: (laughs) It is. I mean, at this point it is, but
1: water
0: starting out drunk.
2: it's it's that nice stepping stool to get you into a whole new world
1: dipping dip your toes in
2: yeah mm-hmm. uh yeah but i i am getting like some of the ferdy fatty- when you mentioned cloves i was like yeah no that seems right there is some of there's some of that that kind of flavor in there but I I, get it's
1: clove instead of the spicy body
2: hmm. yeah i'm getting i'm getting more clove than i would probably get spice but i i Get like a little hint. I think of what they're talking about for like a, for like a spicy body, but it is it is a real strong whiskey. Mm. I don't mean strength as in like
0: yeah, alcohol yeah.
2: strength. I mean strength as in like
0: it's bringing some to the table.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, although I mean, what is it? Forty? Yeah, forty percent. So your average strength of average strength of a uh, 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 Irish whiskey. So
1: so
0: what are your
2: your guys's thoughts?
1: Uh I give it two thumbs way up. I uh, I like it. Really like it. Yep. Uh you can you could definitely find better, but for the price category, like it's coming in at uh fifty bucks for a mm. bottle. Yeah. You can find it cheaper. But uh at that price point I'm pleased with the bottle and you can find it everywhere. Like I picked mine mm. up at a Kroger. <laughs>
0: mm.
2: Yeah, no, this is uh this was a nice pleasant surprise for something I picked up and I was like, Oh oh well all right then. Because uh, I, I had no experience with that before now, so I'm 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 pretty pretty pumped about how how this turned out.
1: Yeah, the Irish whiskey is a, you know, almost virginal territory for me. I've had like Jameson, some Bushmills and uh, Feckin' well, Feckin and what was it? Redbreast. Oh, oh. Red Breast. Yeah, that's the other. That's kind of like the all-encompassing of Irish whiskeys I've had. Like, just not I mean,
2: those are the main main biggies of Irish whiskey, so.
1: Yeah, and it's just, I was really excited to start broadening my horizons when it came to Irish whiskey, especially Mm -hmm. when we decided we were going to be doing an episode, and then suddenly noticed it was going to be happening so close to St. Patrick's Day, and I was like, why don't we just bump that episode two weeks so it falls on St. Patrick's Day weekend? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I. <sighs> She's, so, she, she. Why don't you just go ahead and play it? You, well, it's, this okay. is a safe
0: space. You can it's, say what you feel. It's not that I don't like it, it I, I. It's
2: it's just that you think it's garbage.
0: I don't hate it. Uh. <laughs> the problem for me is that. I am now so used to and so preferable toward bourbon and scotch Mm -hmm. that I have trouble getting anything out of Irish whiskey.
2: Okay. And I
0: I too started out with Jameson, you know, uh, in, in the whiskey land. I am just not like, this smells okay. It tastes fine. You know, I'm getting a couple notes of, I don't know, something it's sweet a little bit. Uh to me like Irish whiskey just lacks that that complexity that you get from bourbon and
1: scotch. It is just a lot a lot more subtle. Yeah, it's
2: so just, here's, it's here's, so here's, calm and I Here's what I was what I was talking with uh with furry viking in the chat about was uh uh he was saying like you know he he prefers scotch and and I love scotch. Yeah. But scotch is all up in your face. Yes, Irish whiskey. When I'm drinking it, I'm like, especially like with, with with this, I am, I'm going in and I'm trying to find more yeah. stuff. I, I yeah. work harder for this than I do with Definitely. with a bourbon or with a with a uh, with a scotch, and I'm I'm trying to see you know what 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 subtle flavors am I trying to pick out, which I'm usually not good at, and so it it's it's like it's a training exercise <laughs> it uh, is I, I just i also i also do enjoy it because sometimes i don't want to have like you know i just like i don't want to have that hard burp.
0: yeah um and to me at this point like like a good bourbon i don't get that that harshness i don't get you know i and i i, I, I can just drink it because i've gotten to that point and You know, like uh, if I have my my Woodford or, or, um, I don't know, Buffalo Tracer, something like that, I'm I'm getting all these different notes of different things and, and, you know, like there's levels to it. And I just feel Mm -hmm. like not only having this, but I feel like even having Jameson recently, uh, it's just, it's like there's nothing there. Now, granted, this is this has way more flavor and aroma than Jameson does. Like Jameson is friggin' non-existent, practically as far as complexity goes. Right? Um, no, I as I far wouldn't as,
2: disagree like, with that. It's just
0: on on the Irish whiskey scale, like this is definitely up there. But for like as a drink, I I'm just not getting much from it, and and okay. because of that, I'm like I just I think I just can't do Irish whiskey as much anymore.
2: No, that's fine. Uh, Casey has also been like, he does not, uh, he does not enjoy Irish whiskeys anymore. So, or at least last I heard from him. Mm, yeah. I don't want to speak for him, but he is like, no, nah, it's, just, it's just not my thing.
0: Well, and because, and you know, it, at, by, by it, this time... He's got our...
2: me drinking like 100 proof bourbon now. So like... Right. Like our palates are so different than
0: when we all started out in, in whiskey land and... That's, I think that's just where I'm at. Cause like at this point, like, you know, I like the good, very complex bourbons. And as far as scotch goes, if it, it as long as it, it seems like somebody has bottled a campfire, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, it, you know, it, that going to the Irish whiskey, it's like, uh, oh, you know, this is fine. I guess <laughs> oh, and if you missed
1: the news episode, speaking of bottled, uh, campfires, you can go get your very own, uh, is it going to be Nick Offerman or Ron Swanson? Nick Offerman. I, I
2: like, think it's Nick Offerman. The label it's said Offerman. Year Nick, Nick
1: Offerman labeled uh, Logavulin. Yes. Eleven year age statement.
0: I'm actually super excited.
1: All <laughs> um, right. Uh, yeah. Are we gonna? We're we're gonna call this one. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, next week will be part two.
2: Electric Boogaloo.
1: That's the Every part two is electric. Whatever.
2: Yeah. Don't forget, you can subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. You can follow us at haveadrinkshow on social media and on twitch.tv. Uh, basically, if you type in haveadrinkshow, you should be able to find us. Uh, in fact, you'll bring it to our website. Uh, <laughs> but there, you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You can use the feedback page on the website, or you can email us directly at feedback at haveadrinkshow.com.
1: Yeah, uh, all joking fun aside, guys, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Uber and Lyft.
2: Come mm. on, just do it. Yes. <laughs> I'm locked into my house right now. I can't leave. I just have me and all of this whiskey.
1: And oh, no. I was going to say, yeah, I'm locked in here with a fridge full of beer and shelves full of whiskey. You can oh,
0: see no. the shelf. It's kind of scary. Uh, <laughs> yes. No, we discussed
2: uh, during the movie draft, the shelf is books... Liquor, horn, breast pump.
3: <laughs>
2: well.
1: Yeah. Uh, Amos had a note on the. Uh, I was like, well, that's pretty much my whole life. That's, that's, that's not wrong.
2: Yeah. <laughs> He's not. No.
0: Uh, on that note, uh, <laughs> check us out for part two, <laughs> next weekend. Uh, and uh, remember to also check out Patreon.com/slash HaveADrinkShow. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker.
2: I'm Justin Fraser.
1: And I'm Christopher Walker. We will see you guys next time.
2: Bye. Bye bye.